0: What is going on, guys? My name is David Gibson. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDCast, a podcast resource dedicated to sharing these stories and telling the experiences of the sports information athletic communications profession, even though today I have something different for you, but I still think you guys will like it all together. Uh, Adam Martin is the host of a popular podcast for sports design called The Makers of Sport. Uh, I've listened to it for maybe a year, year and a half, two years now, ever since I started discovering podcasts. Uh, I thoroughly do enjoy it. I mean, it is it's it is designed, but it's about kind of the process and the people that it is behind and maybe um, some of the life lessons that kind of go along with it the stories that uh, each and every one of us have that, you know, I try and pry out of our guests. So uh, I'll keep this really brief. I know that this episode is a little bit longer. Uh, Adam did. We talked for three hours. We were only able to record about an hour and a minute's worth, it looks like. So uh, I wish we could have the full three hours. I think you guys would benefit from that. But um, I, I think you guys would probably not listen anymore if i release a 3 hour episode. I see those every once in a while and i'm like there is no way i'm subscribing to your podcast. Like i i i don't have the free 3 hours that you think i have, you know. So but uh anyway, i wanted to offer some advice to those who just joined the uh the co of fitness challenge for hashtag fitsid. Um, and it's a lot of things that I just want to ca- kind of express um, as far as mentalities and as far as uh, your progress goes. Um, I'm a former athlete. I was a 10 ker uh, I still run. I still work out three days a week uh, for my full body. Um, and I just had a couple of pieces of advice for you. Uh, one, it's going to be hard. Uh, but in the beginning, you're going to see a lot of improvement Right off the bat, you're going to do things that uh, you haven't done in a really long time, maybe not quite your PR, but you're going to make bounds uh, right off the bat just just by getting out and doing it. Um, but after that happens, and I've been falling victim to this, but I've seen more and more people s- cease doing their exercise or doing their goals because they plateau. Um, plateauing is completely normal. Uh, in fact, if, if you quit while you plateau, it's like quitting on the five-yard line. You're, you're so close to having a touchdown or having a breakthrough. Uh, I'll give you a, um, an example here. Uh, back squatting for me has always been kind of difficult. Uh, My prior best was 205. And I did that when I was 17. Now I've been working out pretty heavily now for four months. Um, I didn't hit 205 until early March again. Um, And then I I stayed there. And it wasn't until last week that I was able to finally break through and hit 215 225, Um, And now I'm kind of plateauing there. And you know, we all have those thoughts, you know, am I really making the progress that I think I am? Um, Just know that it's not immediate. But just stick with it. And it's the consistency that's key. Uh, if you say that you can't find any time for it, you're going to have to make some time for it. If this is really what you want to do, then you're going to have to make every single step to get there. You're going to have to plan the entire way, which is completely fine and completely normal. Um, another thing when you physically get into the gym is to have something, have a plan in mind. Um, and I know that this has nothing to do with anything about this show is about, but uh, I was just offering these, these little pieces. But if you don't have a plan and you just go into the gym and say, I'm just gonna do whatever, um, you're kind of setting yourself up to fail. It's kind of like not studying in a way. Um, so if you can think of some other things you can reach out to us on, on Twitter. Uh, reach out to my personal Twitter account if you have any questions. Uh, David Gibson underscore XC. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to keep this brief, and I know that I've been rambling on for about four minutes now. Uh, so, um, yeah, let's get to today's episode with Adam Martin of the D- Makers of Sport podcast. He also owns a small, uh, it's a, it helped kind of rebrand uh, Transylvania University, which is a small Christian school, um, in Lexington. So we'll talk about those process. We'll talk about perception. We'll talk about this design from his port uh, specific point of view. Uh, He did work with IMG Sports, IMG College, um, which is now IMG College. I can't think of the name of what it was before then, but uh, we will talk about that, how he inter- you know, intertwines with some SID work, how he works with SIDs and all that and more. Um, if you haven't yet, I would like you to go over and subscribe to the show. You can rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts. Um, you can also email us anytime, sportsinfocast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at sportsinfocast on both of those. Now let's get to, to today's episode, guys. I know I've been, it's almost five minutes now, so I got to hurry up this up. So uh, episode 70 of SID cast with Adam Martin of the Makers of Sport podcast and how and why he came up with the idea to start his own podcast right here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've been an avid podcast listener since really probably since inception. I mean, I, th- I think the first podcast I listened to was in like 2006 and it was a graphic design show. Um, it was, it was these two guys just waxing on about graphic design. I'm like, this is really cool. I've never you know, heard anything like this. Um, so for many years I, I kept thinking, man, I would love to hear a show about design and sports. Like it, it you know, there's a, there's a website, sportslogos.net. There were other sort of avenues and there was never podcasts about it. And so, um, I've, I've always been kind of an entrepreneurial person and, and I was, at the time, I, I I um, and we can get into this. I don't know how deep you want to go, but I ran my own. I was an independent designer, freelancer, full time for six years, and then I took a job at a place when I was turning thirty, getting ready to turn thirty, just for a change of pace. And so I was there for a, a year and a couple months, and just really craved being back out on my own again. And so when I did that, I was like, I got to push myself to do something uncomfortable, and this was a way of doing it. And so I was, it was. I remember writing a a blog post on like Tumblr, and it was. It was. I'm going to start a podcast. I don't know what it's about yet, though. Um, and then, uh, and then it was like, I, it was like this. This has to be it, man, because this is the one I've been searching for. And you know, I do a little bit of. I've always done a little bit of work in the sports industry since graduating college. And so, really, just brainstormed on names, to, uh, tossed a few back and forth with some friends, and I really like the idea of makers. I like that word makers because um, we we kind of. I think that society has kind of gotten away from that maker mentality. We're just, we consume so much now that we don't necessarily make. And it almost seems like makers are always the ones that are affecting culture or even just economics, right? So when you make, you are creating something tangible, whether that's digital or, or actually physical to put into the world that people can then consume. So uh, really like that. And then I think, uh, after a while, makers of sport. I, I really like the the word sport in, as opposed to sports. Like it just sounds. Um, I don't know. It seems like it's used. Yeah, yeah. So sports, sports sounds like sort of elementary, and sport sounds like professional. Like sport is like sport. It's like the culture of sport, right, or something like that. So, uh, so yeah, that was that was where the name came from, and and then launched a uh my first episode was i called it episode zero and i just had a mic i got a new mic and was like let's see if i can talk for 15 minutes it was horrible i I repeated myself i think about halfway through this was before i was doing show outlines and you know you learn as you go and uh and then uh my first episode was with a guy that was a friend of mine and and i had no show outline we just chatted because i thought like how hard could it be man we'll just we'll just press play and go and then I learned when I had my second episode with Joe Bosack, a branding uh, guy who you should probably have on here at some point. Um, and we got about 10 minutes in and Joe was like, <laughs> we were both kind of like, this is not really, uh, it's going the direction we thought this would go. Can we kind of regroup on this and come back? And it was like, yeah, let's definitely do it. When he said that I was so relieved. Cause I was like, I felt very uncomfortable. Um, and I, I know Joe, I've known Joe for many years. Um, Uh, but I also knew he wanted to present a very present himself in a very professional way. And I was not doing that. Um, you know, it was my fault totally. So, because I didn't come prepared, I thought it's like I said, I thought you just press play and go. And, um, and then after that, from that point on, I came back and did a a, a re-recording with Joe and show out, outlines from then on so that's a little bit of the beginning of the story of, of the show
0: yeah and you just you mentioned a lot uh, I, i'm telling you man you'd you like word of man what you said about makers and takers uh, and that sort of thing but anyway you mentioned that you started doing show outline and things of that nature how else has your show kind of evolved ever since episode one for you or episode zero in that case
1: um so i've gotten obviously a lot more comfortable in terms of talking i think i've gotten better in terms of listening i've i've a thousand percent become a better listener i mean in the beginning i even i actually questioned before doing the show if i was even a good listener at all right now you have to really listen to your guests to hear what they're saying because you look like an idiot if you come back and ask a question that they've already answered and that was something that i never thought about so being a good listener has been huge being better at just kind of um I mean i don't want it to sound super professional like i'm a radio show but i do want it to sound pretty professional like i'm trying to like enunciate well or whatever because there's obviously a, a stereotype of where i'm from being in kentucky where it's like this 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 hillbilly here like interviewing people <laughs>
0: <laughs> um so let's go back to the very beginning uh, i want to know you know we kind of a little bit mentioned off here you're a bit from the uh the eastern part of kentucky so how did you get into sport? How did you get interested in sport? I know you're a big wrestling guy. You like the magazines. I, again, I listened to your show, so that's how I know that not a creeper, but what is the very bare bones grassroots beginning for you?
1: Yeah. So being from a small town in Kentucky, um, sport is a very important way of life, right? I mean, Friday night football games, um, in Kentucky, it's specifically basketball, high school basketball in Kentucky is, is like, te- you know, Texas football everywhere else, which I'd imagine in Indiana is the same way. Right. Um, it's just, it's a way of life around here. So I got into sport, um, at an early age by playing obviously. And, uh, as far as sort of sports and creativity and kind of combining those two things together, I've always, I always drew when I was a kid, I really liked art um my grandmother was a very creative person she like weaved her own baskets and she was very crafty and she i remember she used to paint our lunch boxes and all kinds of stuff so that was really cool i think i inherited some of that from her um and i i discovered slam magazine when i was in sixth grade and it was issue number two so we're talking like way back right it was like 96 i think um and I i read the magazine and, and the writing was so different, right? It was a very sort of hip hop, uh, style of writing. It wasn't your typical prose, I guess. And, and it was, uh, it really appealed to me, man. I was like, this is really cool. And, and then the graphics were really interesting. I didn't know what that stuff was at the time, but that sort of set me on a path that it planted a seed for me. And. When I got to high school, I think Slam had put out an issue that had a um, a sneaker designer. And so for me, it was like being a high school basketball player. Um, I played three sports in high school. So I played soccer, basketball, and track and field. Um, but being a basketball first guy, like sneakers was just like a way of life, right? It was it was part of the culture. Jordans, whatever. Um, <clears throat> and so when I found out that there was an actual job called a sneaker designer, it was like this... This is awesome, man, that you can combine these two things. So that's how – I don't know how far you want me to go. I mean, I can go through college if you want me to. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so so I don't know if you remember the And One mixtapes. You can watch the whole thing on – yeah, you can watch the whole thing now on uh, on YouTube. But And One had come out, and they were doing these, these sort of mixtapes, and it was basketball. It was really just basketball and creativity. It was these streetball players and – uh, New York at like Rucker Park and these and then they sort of went on these tours and stuff. But the artwork on the covers was like these illustrations, and it was so cool. Um, and uh, and and I I um I knew that I wanted to do something with with art and sports. And so when I went to school, my teacher, uh, my art teacher uh, was uh, she was young. Like I think she was. We were like one of her first classes. So she really connected. We were one of her first like. A classes in terms of she was a fresh teacher out of college so she connected really well with students right because she was pretty young and so she went to Eastern Kentucky University and majored in art uh, my mom had went to Eastern and uh, for an associate's degree and so I was sort of destined to go there I guess and so that's where I chose and I picked art and I didn't know what I was going to do I mean because sneaker design was industrial design technically is the track they didn't have that there And so I just chose art and I was like, well, we'll just see what happens. And then I met a baseball player, the first, like one of my first, uh, sort of general ed art classes, the beginning studio classes. And he had come there and he was like, yeah, I wanted to be a sneaker designer too. And then they didn't have it here. But when I got recruited, um, they told me about this thing called graphic design. I met the professor and I was like, interesting. What is graphic design? It's got the word design in it. So it's gotta be something, And he was like, yeah, you you like make all these graphics and stuff and logos and packaging and, and you can actually design sneakers, you know, in some aspects of a sneaker, like the outside of it or whatever. So I was like, cool. So I went and checked it out and declared as a graphic design major like that week, I think.
0: Awesome. Cool. So, um, I want to talk a little bit about, you mentioned that you were a freelancer for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, what was the kind of decision-making life? I mean, what was life like for you during that time? Uh, did you try? I mean, what, what kind of projects did you take on as far as that was concerned?
1: Yeah. So when I was a senior in college, I got an internship at a, at a small advertising agency in Lexington working on, um, it was essentially like a, a, a local businessman, wealthy guy, owned a couple car dealerships and a couple of restaurants. And he got sick of dealing with advertising agencies. So he started as his own and he had hired a this graphic designer, um, this Japanese girl, her name was Yoshika Azuma, and she was from Virginia Commonwealth University. And she, um, all of her classmates were at like MTV and all these incredible places, but Yoshi, she was she was a bit hard to understand at during that time. Like her English was a little bit broken, so you had to be around her for a while. So I think that that maybe scared some people off in terms of hiring her. But she was extremely, extremely talented. So they had hired her as a graphic designer and she needed help. And so I got an internship there working there. Um, When eventually she left, they couldn't hire me full time. So I got a job at a place called Host Communications, which is before the time of some, your older listeners will know what Host Communications was, but essentially Host Communications was what IMG College is today. Um, Host Communications was a sports marketing and communications company. They, they, did these little groups where, you know, you got like the big blue sports marketing group and all that. Their founder, Jim host is the one that brought sponsorship to the NCAA. He's like in all these sports hall of fames and stuff like that, that business model. Um, and so working there, I designed like media guide covers and we had a bunch of editors that worked on the interiors of the media guides. And we worked with, we worked with SIDs. We did schedule cards, basically all the things that people are doing in house now. Um, and so while I was there, I started freelancing for that agency at night, moonlighting for them because they needed, they couldn't hire me full time. They're like, we can still send you work. So she left and I was at the time I worked at, I, I graduated college in the spring of 05, started working at host communications in August of 05 and worked there until November of 06 and left in November. So a little bit over a year and I, it's very cyclical. So things were coming back, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know if I want to really do this again. And so I was, um, at the time, my then girlfriend, now wife, we had been dating. Uh, I was young and I didn't really have any bills, (laughs) uh, or, you know, anything crazy. So I was like, uh, why don't I try this? And her dad was actually a businessman. So he was, I, I, I didn't know business people growing up. I mean, my parents like always worked places and I didn't really know that was an option. And so he, Talking to him, he kind of encouraged me a little bit and uh, helped me learn what an LLC was. Um, excuse me, some of those basics and and I I quit. I mean, and and I didn't know what I was gonna. You know, I had that old work from the uh, agency that I was doing, but it certainly wasn't enough to you know for me to buy an engagement ring or whatever, right. yeah, <laughs> which yeah, yeah. was the pl- the, the soon to be plan. Um, so so i quit and uh i basically uh lived with my girlfriend and and just you know kind of did what i what i could right i mean i think the first year i brought in like i didn't bring in a whole lot of money it was like probably eighteen thousand dollars or something but there was something about being out on your own that was interesting and and one and i was still interviewing at places i mean i was like trying i was like i'm i'm up for a job somewhere right so so i'd go interview and then maybe wouldn't get the job or would get edged out by someone and and then one year turned into 6 years like it was it was almost like it just happened and then i think maybe like after year 3 i was like this is like a viable thing right cuz my income kept going up so um so throughout that 6 years we actually had um we got married and we had two kids and so i never really had that fear of not having a job when you have a kid or when you get married like it just wasn't there because I was already out in in the wild right so so there was a little bit of uh um I don't want to say courage like there was it was a little bit of it was a mix of courage and stupidity sort of blissful ignorance I guess um and and, uh, yeah, man, I mean, that's, uh, that's what happened. I, I, so I worked with, because I still had a lot of sports connections. Cause I came from a very big sports, well-known sports marketing firm. I mean, at the time, like host was typically the sports business journal would do those rankings and the rankings were always like a, t- a toss up, like one and two was always either octagon sports or IMG. And those two companies were like sports agents, right? Like big time professional sports. And then number three was usually host communications. And so what happened was IMG decided to buy them, which this was after I left. But they were like, listen, you're college sports. We want to do college sports. So we'll just buy you. Um, And then so they bought hosts and they actually ended up buying hosts competitor, which I think was called ISP sports in Winston-Salem. And then they moved their headquarters down to uh, down there. But yeah, so I was doing a little bit of I was probably doing 60% sports work maybe 70% just from old connections. Like one guy had started a high school football magazine around the country. So I was designing that. Um, uh, Doing work for my alma mater, uh, Eastern Kentucky University. I was doing a little bit of work for them. And then I was still doing like the car ads and stuff like that you know, so nothing spectacular and, and things started to grow and I'd get a website here and there. I kind of started dabbling in the web because when I was at host, I actually wanted to learn more about designing for the web. And so towards the end of my time there, I, I would go down to the interactive group a couple of days a week and learn and, and help them design websites. Um, so yeah, I was doing, and then when I was uh, 29, six years in, um, pretty much exactly. I mean, that, that November I got approached by, because I started my LLC in like November. Oh six or December, December. Oh six. And, um, I got approached by a guy who I'd known locally in the, in the Lexington area who ran a little, uh, tech software development company. And he was like, Hey, why don't you come on? they had had a designer leave and his partner was their creative director. And he wanted to kind of move on into a more of a more business role. Cause he was getting burnt out. And so he approached me and asked me to come aboard and be their creative director. So I was like, you know, what the heck, man, I'll give it a shot. You know, we'll see what happens. And you know, yeah. So,
0: um, you kind of, we, we got to kind of talk about SIDs here a little bit. So when you worked for host communications, Mm -hmm. uh, I know you kind of briefly mentioned a little bit how you communicate with SIDs, but what was that kind of process like for you when you worked for them? I mean, for those who don't have that IMG or maybe anybody like that for them, um, what is that day-to-day like in an office?
1: So, I mean, we were obviously a third party, uh, you know, an outsourced agency. But we we had big deals with usually the schools, right? So you you would have like the, um, uh, I don't know, just random – University of Tennessee was one. So we had like the Tennessee Sports Marketing Group. Well, part of that was we, we published their game programs and all of that stuff. So we actually ran all that. And basically we would just work with the SIDs. We had, a, we had a team of about six designers, and then I think there were probably 12 editors. And so each designer had multiple editors they were working with on different projects. Like, I would have probably, like, six different media guides that I'm designing at the same time. And then those editors would only be working on one, and that was their big, big piece, right? So they would come in and, like, really push for us. And it was a very stressful situation. Like, there was a lot of um, animosity there because you were always on edge because every time someone come up, they were like, we need our thing now. And it was like, well, how, why don't you go talk to the other six editors who just told me the exact same thing? So what are you, you know, like which you guys figure out the priority. because there's only like one of me working on six projects. But so the editors were the ones that actually interfaced with the SIDs. And so the SIDs would write articles, get them, uh, content statistics and stuff like that. And, um, the, uh, the editors at host communications would put together the media guides and the, and the, uh, game programs so my interaction was i didn't have a whole lot of direct interaction i I did some it depended on the on the client um but you know for the most part i mean it was it was they were when working with us they were kind of like project managers and we were the ones doing the actual execution of a lot of stuff
0: okay um so what what would you like sids to understand about what your process is, maybe they want to go through third party and we're going to talk a little bit about your, your work here in just a minute, but what would you like them to understand? Like you said, they come in and say, I want it now. And you say, well, I got, I got to do stuff. I mean, what, what would you like to say to them? Or maybe you want some right, of our listeners right. <laughs> within reason, you know, man, like <laughs> it's a loaded
1: question, man. No. <laughs> um, I mean, listen, like one of the things that I think a lot of people get caught up in, in the sports industry is, um, it's it's a very fast moving, pressure driven place, and a lot of people. And you know, so f- you know, first of all, just to preface. I mean, I think SIDs. I told you this before the show, but SIDs are some of the hardest working, m- most underappreciated people at colleges, right? And so they have a lot of pressure on them, and sometimes like that pressure can. You have to handle that pressure in a way that doesn't sort of push that out to other people, right? Cause you can, one, you can really hurt your reputation. And this is for anybody, this is for designers in house or whatever. Um, at the end of the day, people are working with other people, right? And I always try to say this, um, that I was very naive when I started my business and I thought, oh, I can just go to, I don't know, the horse track in uh, the Keeneland horse track in Lexington and just, I'm gonna start working with them cause I'm doing what I think is good work. Well, what you don't under, what I didn't understand not that this happened but this is just an example like this is this is the way I would have thought th- at that time um the agency that was doing stuff for that horse track the owner of the agency had like a 30 40 year relationship with those people right i mean he'd been there he owns horses like he you're not going to go in on the merit of your work and still clients like it's just it's very rare that that happens a lot of people don't understand that that it's about relationships. So I think if you keep relationship and sort of like that human element at the the forefront of what you do, you can, even when things are tough, you can have, it's okay to have the conversation. Like, look, man, we have a hard deadline here and we gotta get this done. And you know, I can tell you that a lot of creative people will be willing to go the extra mile if you approach them that way, as opposed to the forceful, like this has to be done or you're out, right? And I think it's like that with anything, you know, like sometimes this industry, like you don't get into either one of these industries without understanding that there are deadlines, right? Like I, I knew that the graphic design or advertising or whatever was ever going to be a nine to five thing. You know, sometimes you're going to be able to get off cause things are, are, are slow. And then sometimes you're going to have to work crazy hours. That's just part of it. But that's the path that we all chose.
0: Um, you mentioned that you guys kind of did the, the schedule cards and I know you made some schedule posters for EKU. Mm-hmm. Um, how does it make you feel as a creative person, a person that, that that does that for a living? That a lot of that's taken care of in house with the SID stuff uh, that we already have to have on top of it.
1: Um, so we're kind of in a weird stage. Like, it used to be, um, there were a lot of like outside designers that did a lot of this work. Um, one, you, EKU was a really unique scenario for me because I went there, so I cared a lot about that university i mean i met my wife there some of my best friends there the photographer that i worked with there was incredible and we were great friends i mean i talked to him almost every day now now he's a freelancer and we actually have done some work for uh, it's funny i actually listened to one of your shows i confused myself but i was listening to the show with uh, the Maryville saints and i was like i was like oh i've worked with them and then i started listening and he started talking about saint louis and i was like no wait a second i worked for um no uh Marymount I was like I worked for the Marymount Saints not the Maryville Saints like come on but me and being me and Chris the photographer worked with them but you know we would get to we would go in and and he had a he we we really played off each other really well he had my vision he knew what my vision was and I knew what he could do and so we really were able to go those those relationships it's, it's sort of like that's the through line you find these relationships and um, I worked with uh, a lady named Kara Kovart, who now is at the Indy Indian, Indiana sports commission, I think is what the place is called. But, she, uh, she would, she kind of just gave us free reign. Cause for her, it was like one thing off her plate, right? Like you guys are going to do it and you're going to care about it. And, and that's great. Like, we just need to make sure we have this player, this player, and this player on there and the one thing that was unfortunate was the football coach wanted every senior on the poster. Um, so it was like, come on, man, this is, this is brutal. Um, but you know, so a lot of, but then they had like other other areas where like a, a former EKU, a lot of it was just old relationships, right? So there was a former, I think EKU person that worked at a some print shop somewhere and they just did their schedule cards for free for like a sponsorship, right? So they just designed those there. Even though I'd always push for like, we gotta have a cohesion here. You know, some, think, some battles you're just not gonna win, right?
0: Absolutely. Um, so say that, you kind of mentioned this, I'm kind of interested to know. Say that somebody comes to you, approaches you, and says, I need some work done. Uh, they're an SID, maybe athletic communications, AD, what have you. Um, is it good that they give you free reign, or would a designer like a little bit more direction? Uh, and if you would like direction, what, what are some things that you kind of need from those SIDs and those departments?
1: So my theory on this has changed over the years. Uh, initially, it was always, Let me have free reign. Um, But then what happens is I think design is about constraint. And if you don't have constraint, you sort of like don't have anywhere to go. Right? So you get stuck. Um, Just like what is this for? What's the purpose of this thing? Uh, You know, for football, I always – I always wanted to come up with taglines and really kind of do campaign type stuff. But our, the coaches there were really like, we just want to put the word football on there and whatever. So it's like, well, then let's make the design cool at least, you know? <laughs> like, um, but I think if, if, uh, I, I really think that it's, it's good to have a goal that you can tell a creative person that this is, this is, this is our purpose with this, right? Like we are trying to, here's a senior that is getting ready to score, you know, 1,500 points. Um, and so we're, we're going to do a poster. We're going to do a campaign on this. And so if they know that purpose, then I think you can give them free reign with like the actual visual execution of it. Or, you know, you may have, um, uh, I talk. I use, I often use the, the term visual language in, in my show, um, which is just really kind of creating like a, a visual theme right? Like a visual kind of like a brand, like you can look at all these things, even though one's a poster, one's a schedule card, one's, you know, Instagram posts, there's a cohesion to it, right? So we all know that it's part of the same thing, right? Same campaign. So if you even have a campaign where you're like, we would like this to stick within this campaign aesthetic, I think that would be fine too. But I do think in general, if you just say, do whatever you want, you're kind of setting that up for a failure in terms of you're relying on subjective things and it's very hard to hit it's very hard to come to a similar place when you're relying on subjectivity because the things that are aesthetically pleasing to me or might not be aesthetically pleasing to you and might not be aesthetically pleasing to the coach right so i think having the goal gets you you know you're still gonna have some things where you are gonna have to agree on aesthetics but you sort of have a a, a general target
0: yeah. Let's talk about that aesthetics there for a minute. And I want to talk about, we're going to kind of intertwine it with your creative process. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a, a guest on your show, and everybody kind of familiar with him, I feel like, Jeremy Darla. Um, yep. Kind of lines down and brands win championships. It's over on my nightstand. Mm-hmm. So what kind of things, as far as aesthetics, because in the book that he does mention, you got to take your audience and everything. How much of that do you kind of truly intertwine with? the creative process and maybe some storytelling and maybe the perception of your university as a whole
1: yeah so i mean there are some things with when you're creating graphic design there are going to be some fundamental things that every person that is creating for that discipline needs to understand um some of it is going to be uh, and some of those fundamentals are going to be composition right like you need to understand that we are trained to look at certain things first and kind of tell a story with your work so if everything looks the same size every you're not you're not telling me anything is more important than the other thing so you're kind of looking all over the place right another thing is typography so it's essentially the art of of designing with words um i think you're always going to want things that are going to be readable and typefaces they convey certain feelings right like if you write um uh you know, if you write "gridiron" or something in, in like one of those swirly fonts, it's not really saying what, what it's saying, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, uh, so you have to kind of like experiment and look and and just know that certain things work and you have safe ones, right? Like Helvetica generally is a very safe, safe font, right? Like it's used for a lot of corporate stuff and it's used different ways. If you current it a certain way, it looks more professional than, than other things. Right. Um, so you want to try to hit those. Those are going to be things that are that are inarguable, right? Um, in terms of aesthetics. So it's like, listen, this this font choice, and that's this is how you talk about your work too. You have to explain that your choice, the reason for your choices, because if you don't, as a, as a as as an art director, someone that looks at other designers' works and says, um, uh, well, I'll give an example of this. So I actually when i went and worked for that company that i told you about i took my clients there um that was part of my agreement so i took my clients there and we were working on something and there was a girl who who wanted to design one of these these posters um one of the the eastern kentucky university posters and it was like a non-revenue sports poster it was the first time that we were doing that like you know softball wasn't getting their own poster it was going to be like spring sports right because of budget cuts and stuff so she designed like this incredible incredible art piece um and it was all geared around this this male golfer who had his who had a swing back and first of all this girl is a great designer great person love her to death um sh- sh- this is where you see design and art direction come into play so the the design was great right like the execution of this of the design was great the art direction was bad because the art direction because the strategy of this piece art direction and creative direction are about strategy They're, it's strategic stuff right it's not actual execution of work so from a um so when you look at the the actual programs that were listed the most successful program on this particular poster was like women's volleyball so if you're a coach and this circulates to the coaches you're saying why is men's golf bigger than us they haven't done anything right so so i i kind of go through an exercise with her and say and I tell her that I'm like, I don't think that that's going to work. It looks incredible. It's incredible design, but it's just not, it's not going to work. It's not going to fly. And she's like, well, I feel like I should be able to sell it. And I'm like, you can try to sell it. I, I, you know, commend you for that. You know, like you should totally try to sell it, but I'm just telling you having worked with these people for a long time, this is not going to work, but please, by all means, try to sell it. Right. And it's like, and and what, what I said was right, because I knew how they thought like there was a strategy involved in all of this stuff. And it just wasn't, it wasn't good. They don't look at how good some, a lot of times people don't look at how good something is, especially these coaches, right? Like coaches, a lot of times aren't looking at like how good something is. The thing that they see is that one of the players is missing, right? Like it could be the, the, uh, the most, the coolest Photoshop in the world, right? That's totally unreplicable by anybody, but it's like, you know, some senior that never sees the field is not on there. And it was an oversight, and it's like, you got to change the whole thing because of it. <laughs> so it's like good design, bad art direction, right, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I want to talk about kind of your work, and I want to talk about some of the business stuff, but we'll get to that later, a little bit off there mm-hmm. of even. Um, rebranding, branding in general. Uh, we've talked about this before several times on this show, but we've always talked about it with the people on the other side, with our mm-hmm. side. I want to know yeah. from your guys' side. Yeah, and for example, you just did Transy. Um, mm mm-hmm. How much freedom were you given with that? Because that's very, I mean, we've used the word creative, but that's pretty creative to think like Transylvania, you know, that's an actual region. Yeah, so so this is,
1: is. uh, I've got so many stories on this one, man. And this this is a case of where strategy might have been bad before. But first of all, just to give a shout out to the, there were two women who led that initiative. One was the athletic director, Holly Sheely. And the other one was Michelle Sparks and she was the vice president of communications. And I used to work with Michelle when she was at the university of Kentucky, she was in like the school of business. So I'd done some sort of just institutional work for her. So she comes over and Michelle is a very visionary and bold person. And Transylvania university is a university that was founded in the 1700s in, in downtown Lexington. It's very old. And it has a very, the, like the, the alumni are, um, you know, like, uh, Mary Todd Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln's wife, and like Jefferson Davis, the president of the Confederacy, and like just all these historical figures, um, and so people really pride themselves on going there, um, and so it Transylvania University was around a hundred years before Transylvania in the Dracula novel, right? So, so basically, they conduct all this research, and so Transy they call themselves Transy, right? Like that's that is there were, there are some coaches that don't like that just because of like the sort of like, uh, I guess muddying of the word. Like, I guess some people assume that like you could be like transgender or something or whatever. Right. And so, so the reason, but the research was that like, listen, the students, there are some brands that you don't own, right? Like you don't create, you can say what you are, but your brand is really who everyone else says you are right like you you just try to influence it in some way so with them it was like you can't change transi that was student created that was community created like they own that and they're always going to call it transi so that's one thing that you have unique right like you it's like mizzou right like i love mizzou when they put that on their uniforms because like nobody has that right how many people have mu right (laughs) how many people have tu right you have this unique thing so so basically um so the, the original strategy was and, and I didn't do – the research was provided to me, right? And so, so part of the research was that we don't want a Daniel Boone-type character as our ma- – first of all, the school had never had an official mascot. Um, it was always uh, – you know, they just used, like, a T. And then, like, they had a guy that dressed up like one, – one of the former legendary older basketball coaches created this guy uh, – uh, Pepe the pioneer who just was a mat was an unofficial mascot that would come to games. Well, a lot of people thought that was a mascot, but it never was the official mascot. It was never adopted by the school. So, um, so they're like, we want a mascot and we don't want it to be, we want to embody the pioneer, but we don't want it to be a, a Daniel Boone, you know, pioneer. Right? So the original, research which i presented was all right here are three animals that pioneered this first of all we did these questionnaires we sent them out like can a pioneer be represented by a non-human character right like crim alabama has the crimson tide but they have like uh, big al the elephant right but there's a story behind it um so can we find a story uh and then at this time they were like we don't want anything to do with bats right? Like we just, we don't want anything to do with bats because bats are, we don't, there was a, almost like a, some people wanted to pursue it, but some people were like, they, they don't like having to explain that, even though it's something that you're going to have to explain no matter what. It's like, we feel like it kind of muddies, like we're press we consider ourselves a prestigious university. And when we t- you associate with that, it's like, you know, whatever. Um, so the first, the first bit of research was three animals that pioneered the state of Kentucky. One was um, a, an elk um, and another one was a bison and another one was a gray wolf. And so the, I thought the, the bison was actually pretty incredible because it's, it's um, Daniel Boone actually wrote a bill in like the 1800s sort of limiting the, the uh, um, limiting hunting on bison, right? Because they were becoming extinct. So there was like a story you could tell with that. And also if you think about a division three athlete, um, first of all, tr- uh, Kentucky, you know, just like Indiana gets four seasons, right? I mean, we have extreme heat and extreme cold, right? So like a bison can exist in all four seasons, right? From a um, from that aspect, it's a pack animal. So it's a team-oriented animal, right? They're also very unassuming. Like they are. they're fast. They're deceptively fast, right? Kind of like maybe, I don't know, a division three athlete, right? Like you might just assume because they play division three that they're not very good, but then, you know, right exactly um so so anyway that that stuff went out and uh they decided later to do one in house to do like a whole or first of all so the president decided he wanted to go with the gray wolf because they feel like that academically they were the top of the apex <laughs> so so it was like okay well that makes sense so we did the wolf um it was there was a major 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 backlash i mean just crazy crazy backlash and um and of course, like you know, everybody in house is freaking out because they've never been through this before, right? Um, when you change something like that, there people don't like change, um, and it was and it was very vocal, and there were all these conspiracies floating around. Like one of the designers in house went to Center College, and that's Transy's big rival, and they were like, "There's a conspiracy. They're trying to like <laughs> ruin <laughs> Transylvania." <laughs> And you know, this guy, this guy's now actually moved on and he works for a really awesome design agency that's totally unaffiliated with, um, academics or sports or anything now. But, um, it, it, so, so it was, it was a crazy, crazy thing. So then they were like, well, let's use the custom. So I had created custom typography for the word Transy and the word Pioneer. So they used the word marks, um, for a couple of years and then they decided to revisit it after a few years, things had died down. They were like, you know what? Let's just do what we're destined to do. Right let's go with the bat. And so, you know, there was a little bit of backlash, but, um, and, and, you know, at that point you're over some of the hard feelings behind everything. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it hurts, man, when you see stuff go out and people are like, this is trash, you know, like, and it's like, they're, but you also have to kind of like realize that they're not talking about you as a person to them. They see this anonymous thing that they think some agency got paid, hundreds of thousands of dollars to do or whatever. Right. And what they don't understand is there's like people in house that this is their livelihood. And then there's like a little small shop like myself who gets paid like a a little bit to do this. And so, um, so we did the bat, but what happened was we found over time, there was actually this professor, um, and, uh, Constantine, um, Rafinesk, I think was his name. And so he was a professor and he was very obsessed with bats and he actually named a bat it's called Rafi. it's called uh, raffy's big-eared bat it's a bat that's in this region right so we were like this is perfect let's write this story and let's just let's just embrace it and go with it so we did that and then you know granted some people were like now no one's going to take us serious but it to me it was like listen you're actually embracing a sense of humor because at the end of the day athletics apparel is for be- to be sold Right? Like you're trying to sell merchandise. And so like we, we're getting people, you know, I was seeing uh, messages from people that were like, didn't even go to Transylvania. They're like, I totally want to buy this now. Right? So like, it's a total brand recognition thing. Like, yeah, when I have a buddy that played basketball there and he talked about going out, uh, out West, uh, you know, in California to some conference or something. He's, he's in film filmmaking now doing like, he actually shoots like country music videos and stuff in Nashville. And he was wearing a, a trans, a Transylvania basketball shirt. And someone was like, I will buy that shirt from you right now like off your back. And he was like, why? And he was like, I just think it sounds awesome, man. Transylvania. Cause n- nobody knew what Transylvania was like the school, right? That dr- Because pop- this is another case of like, you are what people say you are. And you are never, the school is never going to own the word Transylvania ever. Like you have something unique and that like, you basically have like this sort of trademark on the word Transylvania. Cause you're around longer, but like the word Transylvania is so in pop culture now that like Transylvania is the Dracula you know, castle, right? Like that's what it is. Like you can't change that no matter what you say. So you might as well just embrace it, have a sense of humor about it and let's just go with it. And they did. And honestly, I think, you know, it's yet to be determined, but it feels like so far it's been a pretty big success. There's been a lot of, a lot of pods, a lot of the very vocal people that hated the stuff from the beginning came out in huge support of this one, which was for me a win after the long, you know, four or five year battle of, of, of this and the people working in house. And, and I just got to say the, I was actually lucky to be pretty anonymous throughout the whole thing like they never actually came out and were like here's the company that did it blame it on them right they totally could have I was just executing the strategy that I was given but they 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 took all the blame and and you know it was it was brutal I mean the marketing director and the athletic director took a ton of blame and and I felt awful for them
0: Yeah I mean how much do you – and you already kind of mentioned that there briefly but how much do you take of that and kind of have to say okay Huge backlash. Guy's not saying the most, you know, either one appropriate or two nice thing to say. Um, but they're untrained eye. I mean, you're the professional here. Uh, and h- how do you kind of navigate that kind of fine line between somebody who does this for a living and somebody who's just looking at it and has nothing to do with the process or anything?
1: Well, I think it's some t- I think it depends on who you're I'm not actually designing for those people, right? Like, I'm who, the people that are paying me are my clients, right? So I'm working for them, and they they choose to bring in. I can make suggestions, right? Like, hey, I think I think you should bring in some non-student athletes just to get some perspective. But if they don't choose to do that, that's on that's on them, man. Like that's what they, um, they, they and I go, I trust them. I, if that's what they believe is right, then that's totally right. So um, for me, I just don't after you know having done this stuff for so long i don't really i guess care that much when i have like a troll come out and say this is crap uh mine here's one i did you know on my own or what like this happens all the time in the design industry and it drives me nuts like i mean i'm very good friends with people that do very high profile work in design like joe bosack who i mentioned you know he could he got he's gotten like death threats for changing a, like a mid-major school's identity. And it's like, this is just absolute insanity. And a lot of it has to do with the social media era, right? I mean, it's just that you just have people that are faceless behind a computer, but then sometimes if you just talk to them, like it's actually, they got other things going on, man. I mean, and that's, we kind of talked about that before the show, but if you're, if you're going online and you're just taking out your anger on stuff, then you got a lot more happening with you then and i've actually heard stories about some people where they just comment and say man i'm sorry for what's going on in your life but you know i hope that things get better and then the person like dms them and they're, they're like oh like my wife just died or whatever and like i'm just i'm totally just i think that happens like, to get adam
0: it. amin a lot for whatever okay. reason he 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 uh, replies a lot of things or that or kirk Street or some big college football broadcaster always replies yeah. like that they're like uh, yeah sorry for what's going on man but calm down
1: right right
0: but um i want to know kind of a little bit more about what it what it is on the business side Mm -hmm. um as far as running your own company uh having your own podcast i mean what's it like getting clients recruiting can you kind of give i know that's kind of a lot but like can you kind of give an overarching kind of look through the glass as as how it is at an art uh company
1: yeah so um so i mean I think when you become a designer, you, a lot of times it's someone that was already a creative person, right? And they've kind of found that calling. And so you're never not a designer. I mean, it's day to day. People talk about work-life balance and there's, you know, like I go spend time with my kids and I go like coach my son's soccer team. And I got my other, another son who's in the golf and try to spend time with him doing that. And, but you're always looking at things and getting ideas and you never really turn it off because you first of all, you're very passionate about it and you want to get better, but, but also like you, you, you got to make money too. Right. And so there are times, there've been times where we've been on vacation and I'll get an email and and I'll just, you know, I'll tell my father-in-law or whatever, like I got to take a call in the morning. Like you guys just go ahead and go do your thing and I'll catch up with you later. And they've, they're, well because he was also a business guy for much of his life he's retired now but for much of his life like he gets it he's fine with it right now there's some like my parents don't get it they're like why why can you not you know why are you like working at like one in the morning or whatever you why can't you go get a nine to five and it's like i'm just not cut from that cloth man like once i i was very um i'd have a lot of uh anxiety about it for many years before social before a social media, there, I, I never found anyone like me, right? Everybody, all my friends were working these jobs and I never did want to do that. And so when I finally found my people, I finally started to understand like, oh, I'm actually just like cut from the entrepreneur cloth. And, and there are people that are cut from that cloth and it's totally fine. We just kind of get a thrill of, of this sort of chase, right? And, and I remember actually, so when I took that job for a year and a couple months that I discussed when I was turning 30, I actually hit a point about halfway through where i started to become very depressed uh have a, a lot of these weird just almost becoming like a troll like really kind of like self-sabotaging like i almost wanted to sabotage my career because i was like i don't want to be here and it had nothing to do with the people but it had everything to do with like i felt like i sort of lost my purpose Um, because I was building something for someone else. I was building someone else's idea. And, but at the same time, this guy was an entrepreneur I'd known for a long time. And we would still have those conversations, but like my fire for entrepreneurship wasn't there because I didn't have anything I was building. He was still building his thing. I just happened to be working in it. Right. So, um, you know, I mean, it's a grind and, and honestly, like it's, it's feast or famine. Like I've, I've, I've. There's been clients where, you know, I mean, the ideal scenario is you want to try to get on some type of retainer, right? So you can get like some steady flow of work. And honestly, like my best relationships have come when, cause I just don't have a desire to grow like a big agency. I just don't want that kind of anxiety, um, or that kind of pressure, I actually collaborate with people. So I work with web developers when I'm working on something, I'll bring on a programmer and do something. Or if there's a specific tile of illustration I want, I'll bring on someone like even in like the Transylvania job, like, you know, there were, there were other illustrators that could do a particular style of work that I couldn't do that. I was like, Hey man, I need you to throw in some concepts. Like I'll pay you for them. Um, that's where the creative direction aspect comes in. Like I've got a grip on the overall strategy and the direction we need to go. But sometimes like, my visual aesthetic is not something those there are certain people that do one thing and they do it very very well right um and so i like to just have a grasp on a lot of different things and that's where the entrepreneurship thing comes in i i have a very hard time sometimes just even calling myself a designer even though that's what my degree's in and that's the through line and everything that i do but i also love podcasting and i've started to develop a love of writing and And, you know, one day I wouldn't mind dabbling into filmmaking or documentaries or something. Right. And so I think just having that creative bone inside me um, and then really understanding that you can make money with creativity, too, and there's nothing wrong with it. You don't have to apologize for asking for money for something. Right. And that's just that's something that you just have to learn over time.
0: Yeah, uh, I know that in one of your most recent episodes with Chris Doe, he mentioned a lot how I think he, they, the staff that, at the college he was working at caught somebody cheating, and, and he was like, "We shouldn't be, you know, degrading this kid." He found somebody who, you know, he found the people to make the project work.
1: Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting, interesting story. So I wouldn't even, I, I'm not even sure I would call it cheating. I think that's where they were, de- that's what they were debating over: is this cheating or is it not cheating? Right. So like, what happened was, so Art Center is a very, very popular. Uh, design and art school in cal in california a lot of their alumni go and work at apple and these incredible places so chris doe is a uh, owns a motion design uh, animation studio called blind and so chris was an adjunct professor there chris is also a creative director chris is a business guy like chris is like um he, he believes in bringing people on that are better than him at certain things and just being that team leader to put together those pieces to in creating to create incredible work so what happened was there was a kid that was going there and they were building out these campaigns, I guess, in one of their classes. Well, this kid had like, put together this strategy, and this was the route he wanted to go, and he designed all this stuff. But then it was like there was this one style of illustration that he just couldn't nail down, so he was like, I'm going to hire this other kid to do it. right?" So he hired someone else to do the illustration, which was really just one piece of the thing. But the, the professors, the sort of like old-school professor mentality was that like this is, this is cheating, this is crazy. And so Chris Doe, actually coming from a studio, was like, what if this kid's strength is actually being an art director? Like what if what if this kid's strength is maybe not execution but maybe it's finding the right pieces to the puzzle and putting it together for the work, right? And so it was it was just an it was an interesting debate and and I, uh, you know, I enjoyed hearing his perspective on that. And you know, there was a point in time where I, I I felt like I was cheating if I didn't create everything. Like if I was designing a website and I didn't create every single icon on the page, then I felt like that I was cheating, right? And then eventually it's like, we live in an era now where you can find icon sets. And it's like, if you find the one that appeals to the aesthetic you're designing for, it's like, why would you recreate that stuff? Just buy the icon set, grab the Facebook icons and throw them in the bottom or, or the, the email icon or whatever and use them. You know, it's like, <laughs> there's no point in recreating it because you're probably going to just recreate what they've already done. And then you're like, copyright infringement or something.
0: Um, I've got one last question about your business mm-hmm. before we have to move on. Um, yep, yep. Thanks to your recommendation i read the e-myth i finished it a couple days ago i want to know how you kind of balance out the three kind of people that are inside a business owner the the technician being one the designer two being a manager being the art director and three being the entrepreneur how do you kind of balance all those
1: um so that's one of those things where like i just don't think that i've figured it out yet honestly i mean i struggle man some days i'm like i just want to sit down and make and i wish someone else would go sell work right and and some of that has to do with my personality. I am an ENFP on the uh, which is kind of like an introverted extrovert. Like I'm totally fine in social situations and I can get along fine, but then I need a lot of time to regroup afterwards. Um and 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 this is where the podcast comes <laughs> in too cuz like sometimes I'll be like I don't want to do this. I don't feel like talking to anybody. And then I'll do the show and I'll be energized afterwards. Right? But, you know, as far as uh, balancing those things, I <laughs> it's a hard answer, man. I like, I just read that book. So I just, I haven't figured it out yet. And and I've been doing this now. I mean, for, you know, 2006 was when I started my company. So, and I kept it open when I was at that company, I kept it open and would take on like a job here and there. So, I mean, it's, it's even though I wasn't like high velocity, um, it's still been open for that, that amount of time. So, you know, I'm still trying to figure it out. And so, and, you know, and even some days I'm like, I want to grow this thing and, and I want to get, you know, have like, you know, 10 to 15 people and have designers and then I'll just sit back and do the business stuff. Um, and then I start feeling, and then I start thinking about that scenario and i start getting like anxiety thinking like, yeah, but then you're going to bring on people that are going to be like, why are we working for you? Like, like my thoughts when I was at, but you know, different personalities, some people are just like, they want to go work. I know people that are, I know a guy who was a designer from EKU and he went to YouTube and all he did was just make icons every day. I mean, to me, that sounds like a factory job. Right. It's just like you do the same motion every day, same stuff every day, but th- he liked it, but that's just what he wanted to do. And I really appreciate, and sometimes I'm em- em- envious of people that, that can do that because I just, I'm like, I have a hard time focusing. I'm like, let's just do everything <laughs> and still try to figure it out. But I do have this sort of uh, theory that I've developed over time. And I talked to my, my buddy, uh, Chris Radcliffe, who you should probably interview him too. He's a photographer. He used to work in house at EKU. Um, but he's has a psychology degree. So he just had, we just had, you just have really interesting conversations with this guy. And, um, uh, I, I sort of, I talked to him and, and I've developed this theory that, of a, a career of creativity because of all the depression that's involved in the comparison and looking at other people's work and am I ever going to get to work with them? And then you get one client and you're like, well, that was cool. But now I'm in, now I want that next big one. Right. It was like, you know, when I worked with, uh, um, some of that, you know, coming out of college, getting to work with some very, very big brands like the NCAA and, you know, final four programs and a little bit of stuff with Nike at that time and all this stuff. Like I really, it's almost like you set the bar way too high and you're like, everything else sucks after that (laughs) in a weird way. Right. Um, but, but then, then it's like, well, now how can I get that stuff on my own without the merit of this company that was already built that had the reputation cause they weren't working with, I wasn't working with, with those brands because of me, I was working with those brands because of the company that was built, that they trusted. Right. So, but you're still always going to have that mentality of, Oh, I just did a job for the PGA tour and now I want to do a job for something bigger. Right. And it's just, if you, if you don't, if you put all your sort of eggs in that basket, I think you're just never going to be happy. And so um, I think a, a career that is creative focused is basically just like lasting until the end like until your dying day you just created your whole life right like you just created stuff um, that's that's success for me that's success in creativity awesome
0: cool uh, well we got to move on to some fun questions I'd like to ask and I have yeah, to kind of sure. bridge these because I uh, you're not sports information director and a lot of them are kind of directed that way so uh, but anyway first one I have for you Adam is one thing you give one piece of advice you give to uh, let's 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 kind of gear it towards a student going into the creative profession
1: okay so if you're a student and you're getting ready to graduate you're trying to get into the creative profession profession i think that one thing i'm seeing a lot of these days that i disagree with and and i get it there's like a weird little bit of ego in everyone don't pretend like you know everything because you don't right and so senior people know that you don't know everything I mean you're not be really being judged when you come out of school on like the stuff that you're making right We're, you're kind of being judged on like what's your potential right because we know that you're not that great yet you 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 haven't been in it long enough you're still tr- you're still working hard so don't come out like I've done all this stuff for bleacher report and now I'm like you know whatever I mean I see I see Twitter accounts with like 15 year olds and they're claiming they have like five years experience and stuff and it's just like come on man this is be humble. That's huge. Be humble. Be willing to learn. I think you just have to be hungry and willing to learn. That's that's the biggest part of advice. Like if you go in acting like you know everything, you're always going to clash with people.
0: Um, what's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in your profession?
1: Mm. Yeah. So actually, I'm I'm kind of uh, I've kind of been getting interested in this whole motion train that's happening, the animation aspect of sports. I think it's cool, um, and and I, uh, you know, we were talking, I can't remember if it was, we were recording yet, but we were talking a little bit about Black Panther and some of the Marvel movies and that sort of surreal cinema 40, um, motion and animation worlds. Like that stuff is cool. And, and I would love to pursue that. I've, I've sort of always had this thing where <laughs> this mentality where I'm like in another life, I would be this. And that's kind of like one of those things for me right now. I also would, wouldn't would mind like eventually getting into doc, like I said, documentary filmmaking or something. Um, I think those are really cool, and I think it's cool. To, some of that comes with like the idea of like the podcast of telling stories, and and to me, it's it's very interesting. So I just like to expand maybe. Uh, the the disciplines of creativity that I'm in, not necessarily do anything not creative, you know, do something different. I just want to expand on the disciplines of creativity. Yeah,
0: awesome. Uh, next time someone's in the Lexington area, what's your restaurant or bar recommendation?
1: Mm, yeah, these are these are always good ones man because there's always a lot popping up um so there's a place that i love called maria's kitchen which is a i'll give you two places this one's kind of it, this was started as like a little little taco stand and it was you know authentic mexican food now, i remember i when i used to go there i was like the one one of the only white guys there one of the only one of the only gringos there right and then somebody put it on foursquare <laughs> And then like, and then it like, it started, it started getting bigger. And I'm like, well, man, this sucks. Cause like, eventually they're just going to like, I don't want them to turn into like, you know, the, the, the typical Mexican food we have that's geared towards Americans, right? I still want it to be authentic Mexican food place called Maria's kitchen. Love that place. Um, there's another place that's like a staple in Lexington. It's just kind of like home cooking Southern fried food. It's called Ramsey's. Uh, it's a, it's a Ramsey's diner. I, I would definitely recommend going to that place. And then there's, there's a, if you're, if you're into beer drinking and, and craft beer and all that stuff, there's quite a, quite a few craft breweries that have popped up around Lexington. One of my favorites is a place called Country Boy. Um, and then the, and that was one of the originals and they just kind of experiment with things. And then I also, I'm, I got into craft beer from a place called West Six Brewery, which is on West Sixth, Sixth Street in Lexington. It's in an old, if you remember Rainbow Bread like the bread that was the brand it's in an old rainbow bread factory and they uh, it was the first craft brewery in Lexington. And so I sort of forced my, I didn't like IPAs at the time, but I forced myself to drink them because I wanted to sort of like, you know, drink local. And, um, and now, now I love IPAs, but what's cool about that place is they actually have this whole ecosystem where they have this seafood place in there. And it's like um, the fish, feed on the barley from the beer. And then like they, it's like this weird cyclical thing of like, we then eat the fish. And then it's like, it's, it's, it's just a cool, cool idea. And it's one of the first breweries in Lexington. So it's definitely a place worth checking out.
0: Uh, If anybody had any questions with you, maybe want to connect with you, uh, what'd be the best way to do it?
1: Yeah. So the best way to do it would just be um, my personal Twitter account um, is at T Adam Martin. So T is for my first name, which is Timothy. Um, and and you can pretty much get to anywhere from there. I mean, I have my other like makers of sport is linked there and stuff like that. So if you have questions, hit me up. If not, just say hi. I, I love meeting new people and talking to people.
0: Awesome. Um, and give a shout out to your show real quick because I want more people to listen to that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my show is called Makers of Sport, and it's it's a show about the intersection of creativity and sport. So. Guests include in-house designers. There's been a lot of designers just because I am a designer, but it's not necessarily a uh, design-only show. Um, Some of it is about creative business. Uh, Some of it is about uh, people that just have interesting projects. Uh, I interviewed a girl named Bethany Heck who was at the time a designer. Now she's the director of design for Medium, the, the blog writing platform. But at the time she was a designer at Microsoft and she redesigned the baseball scorebook. Uh, has, a, has a brand called the Ephus League so sometimes it's about sports, re- creative sports related projects but it could also be just about the creative industry and sport in general so that's called Makers of Sport and you can get there by going to makersofsport.com
0: awesome thanks Adam for coming on
1: yeah I really appreciate it man
0: guys there you have it if you made it this far uh, I really do appreciate it I I thought this was one of our better ones that we've had and I really hope that you guys kind of enjoyed it Uh, I know that I definitely did Um, just talking with Adam as a person was really really cool Um, I've been wanting to interview him for a while now and I remember being kind of excited as the uh, date neared for um, us to kind of get together and chat Uh, and I I was not disappointed so I hope that you all took a lot out of that episode Uh, just know that we will be back next week with Danny Day of the uh, Corbin Warriors. So... Be sure to stick around for that and remember that you can follow us anytime on social media at Sports Infocast on Twitter and Facebook. Be sure to subscribe to the show and be sure to hit the rating and review button. Uh, it just takes a couple seconds to give us a one star or a five star or, or what what have you, just leaving a sentence or two as a review. Uh, a lot of that stuff goes a long way and it really, really does appreciate so that we can reach out to more SIDs and tell more stories and share more uh, of the things that kind of make SIDs tick. So just to kind of better and fine tune the profession as it already is. So uh, anyway, guys, thank you all for listening.